They're like Batman and Robin in the church. You know them. They're always wearing cowboy hats. Any clue? <laughs> okay, Mary Matthew. Okay. He said them, then I don't know if he's uh, what happened to Brother Bong, but uh, he's saying that uh, he's, you know, your preacher's kind of speaking, he's, gonna, he's saying that uh, they are always in the church, and then he's telling them to kind of come and preach. Uh, I just want to clarify my pronouns are not them. Um, <laughs> If, if you follow what the media is like, the, you, you understand that and what I'm like. That's my sense of humor. If you didn't get that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. And I ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10.
that when you get saved, life will just go along peachy and life will go along happy. And he used the term of bed of roses. Now, I, I would argue that if you are saved, it is a bed of roses because roses have thorns. You have a nice sweet smell, but it has thorns. Um, and that is the reality of Christian life. There, there, there's some really nice things about being a Christian uh, that we can enjoy here and now, not just, not just in eternity. But there's thorns that come with it, and there's dark times that come with it. It says there, Whoso among you that feareth the Lord, and obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness. And so this, is, this, is, this, this passage is given to those, you're serving God, and you can't see where you're going. And you're, you're doing your best. You're, it says, He that whoso feareth the Lord and that obeyeth the voice of his servant uh, and, is, and walks in darkness and doesn't, doesn't really know what God has in store. And that's, that's the, the, the text of this passage. But I want to I preach just for a little bit on, on the fear of the Lord there, where it's, uh, it says, Whoso among you that feareth the Lord, who is among you that feareth the Lord? And. There's a difference, and we, we often hear the, the definition given as uh, the fear of the Lord is, is a reverential fear, it's a respect and an honor to God, but what does that look like practically? If, if we were to sit, sit here and say, that man fears the Lord, that woman fears the Lord, what does that look like in practice? How, how could we tell someone that fears the Lord from someone who's, uh, uh, who is a lukewarm who is not interested per se in the things of God even though they say they're a Christian if the two people say they're a Christian one, one fears the Lord and one doesn't how do you tell the difference what does that look like and so it's those that fear the Lord is those that want to serve God and please God and you don't have to serve I want to make this point you don't have to serve God by getting up the front leading singing by getting up the front preaching there's a lot of serving God that goes on in the kitchen that doesn't get mentioned very often, but uh, if everybody you like your lunch, that is a service to God that is provided by the church. And there's a lot of ladies and some of the gents back there somewhere, that, that do the cooking, and that, is, that you can serve God in that. And so it's not just about you being up front on, on the podium, on the pulpit, and, and having your name mentioned up the front. That's not what service to God is. Service to God is to God, and God is... Yeah, but we don't see him necessarily. You don't see him with your eyes, and so when you're when you're serving the Lord, it's not for you to be seen of men, to be seen yeah. of of your fellow Christians, to have yeah. them stand up and say, you know, look look at what this Christian is like. Look at look at look at what he does. That's not That's what right. this is about. This is about yeah. your heart with God. Yeah. Um, but what does it look like? Go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. The Bible says, "The fear of the Lord." is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way. And so, it, this is something that doesn't... The way I was raised, in, I was raised in an Anglican church, this is never taught in churches in New Zealand, out, outside of the Baptist churches like ours. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. As a Christian, we ought not to be pleased when, when there's evil in society and when there's evil in our life. It's, you know, it's one thing we, we get up here and, and we, we, we'll talk about the sins of the culture and we, we want to talk preach on sodomy and things like that. But, and that is evil and we ought not approve of that. And we ought, when when the, the opportunity comes, we ought to, to explain why 
and why God, you know, God has designed the world in a certain way, and that's the way it works. And if you violate that design, you are going to bring the curse of God upon you. And we can explain that, but there's also evil in our own life. Even as I stand up here, if, if uh, I heard a preacher say it this way one time, if you put what, uh, what I have dealt with this week in my own life on the screen back there, I would be out the back door over there pretty quick. You, you, you have a, a Christian life as a fight, and you're not going to to get to the end of the road tomorrow. When you, when you get saved, it's not an instant victory. We sang, we, we sang the song, and even the songs this morning, uh, tied in, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And it, it, encamped along the hills of light, the Christian soldiers rise. And there's a fight, and that's what we're called to, and we, can't, we have to fight our flesh. And to want to fight something, to actually want to fight something is you have to hate it. You have to want to kill it. That's what the idea of the fight is. And the yep. fight is, our fight is against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yep. And there's, there's groups that go around in Christianity nowadays, um, uh, and they say there's a, a person going around in the States, and they're trying to remove all of the words out of the hymns that are self-hate, like when John wrote. John Newton wrote the uh, Amazing Grace. He said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. They want to take that out, out of the hymns because they say, well, there's too much self-hate in that. There, you know, there's, there's too much negative thought in that. But if you read your Bible, what Paul said about himself in Romans in chapter 7, the Bible says, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of his death? Paul's self-image was not great. Paul didn't have a high self-esteem of himself. He didn't. He said, "I am chief of sinners." At the end of his life, he didn't. He, so, so he, he did not like the way his flesh rebelled against what he wanted to do. You can read that in the context of Romans chapter seven. There, he did not approve of the way of of his fleshly desires and the way he, you know. He, he, I don't know if you've read. Those of you new won't have read read his life yet, and maybe maybe you have, but. Uh, you read the Apostle Paul's life and when he's uh, thrown in jail or stoned or beat, there's a lot of opportunity for the devil to come up alongside him and say, this is what you get for serving God, this is not worth it. And, and to, for him to, to back out and, and to use that as an excuse. And, but to do that would to be treason against the call of God. God called him to be a minister and so he has to minister. If he then doesn't do what God's called them to do, that is evil. If, if you know what you're called to do, and you know that there is something that you are supposed to do, and you won't do it, then, then that is evil in the sight of God. If, if That is rebellion in the sight of God. And, and when you and I don't do that thing that we are called to do, and, and, we, and we, again, there's, there's this idea in Christianity where the call is a call to preach. That's... No, it's if you won't do what is written in the Bible, when and I'm you're growing in, in grace. When when the Bible says something and you read through your Bible and the Bible says do this this way and do this that way and don't do this, and God comes to you and speaks to you and says this is what I particularly want you to work on right now. If you won't do that, that is that is rebellion against God. And God doesn't require you to change overnight, instantly. But when you come across that thing and God says deal with that and you don't, you're going to be stuck there for a long, long while, and you're going to get in a lot of trouble with God if you don't deal with that. Um, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, and that's evil 
uh, both in our life and in, in, in society and do something about it, that doesn't mean we're going to go around killing people, all right? But that we, we have to fight it. We have to do something to, to prevent that evil from spreading. Go to, and, and so we'll look a little bit at what this looks like. Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah 64. Because what, what do we do if we're, if we're a Christian and we honestly want to serve God and, we, God and we look at the Bible and say, this is what God wants me to do, and you, and you do it, and you strive your best, and you strive hard to serve God, and you fail, and you end up at the point where, like Paul said, a oh, wretched man that I am, what do you do? What, what a, because the reality is as best and as good as you, as we are, as Christians, and can be, we have a flesh nature, we're going to fall, we're going to fail. What do you do? You have to go back to the mercy of God, but you have to bear in mind that what... I was going to preach this. I had about four messages that I had going through my mind, but the, the idea of mercy, we often, we often hear this, the definition given is not... Mercy is not getting what you deserve. But if you, if you look at mercy, mercy is given solely on the free will of the person who's giving the mercy. God doesn't owe us mercy. And, and so if we're going to rely on the mercy of God, we can't just assume that we're going to have it. God has the right to give it or not. God could punish us for our sin or if he wanted to. That's right. The only thing that I have in terms of salvation to say I'm saved is the word of God and the fact that he said he would not cast me into hell. But you go and look at what God calls chastisement in the Bible, and that is, that is a hot and, a, and, a, and a, a fearful thing. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And even as a Christian, you read in the New Testament, there's Christians who God killed physically. The Bible says that the, the Spirit, uh, to give, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 1. Uh, start in verse 1. So this is, this is a man in church who was uh, in, in fornication, and we, we read this down, through, down here a bit, but verse 1 says, Now it is commonly reported that there is fornication among you, such, and such fornication as is not named... So, it is not so much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. They weren't sorry that there was somebody living like this in church. They were, they were quite pleased to have this person in church. So ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath, that, that hath done this thing might be taken away from you, from among you. For verily, I, for I verily as absent in the body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed, that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So if this man was a saved man, he's not going to die and go to hell for his sin. But he is at, at, at a point where... His sin is affecting the church. His sin is affecting the ability for God to use the church. And by the way, even if, even if you come and sit and you're a member of this church, and, and me as a member of the church in particular, those that leave, more so than others, but those that come and sit, if you, if you will live in sin, you will affect the way this church can operate. Yeah. You will affect the, the God's ability to use this church by living in sin. Yeah. And so will I. But 
that, and so the idea in this was to take away the dross that the gold may, become, may come out the finer. And you can read 2 Corinthians, this man didn't end up dying, this man repented of his sin. And God, and God healed that situation, God, God worked through that. But it says that to, to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so we're not owed the mercy of God. And you can read examples if you read chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. God talked about those that were sick and did sleep because they wouldn't uh, take communion seriously. They would not honor God in communion. You can read of Ananias and Sapphira whom the Lord slew because they lied to the Holy Spirit. God, God doesn't have to give us mercy. We're, if we're going to go off and live in sin, God can just say, right, you're coming home because you're a disgrace to the name of Christ. God has that right. We, we can't just go up to God and say, hey, hey uh, forgive me because. Because what? You don't deserve it. You don't, he doesn't owe you it. You have to come to him on his terms. And his terms, if you go to Isaiah chapter 55... I believe you find it there. 55 and verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to God, and he will have mercy, and pardon him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And that, that verse applies to the gospel for sure. But as a Christian, if we go off and we live in the world, and we live in sin, and we want God to have mercy on us, what's the condition? And that condition is right the way through the Bible. I'm not going to take uh, time to chase the references on that. But it's to confess, uh, it is to confess and forsake. Uh, you read, uh, put um, uh, 2 Corinthians 14, uh, not Corinthians, sorry, Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 14, 7. Read the reference the other way around. Sorry. Where it, uh, if I find it in my Bible, I, I would have had it. I don't know the screen very well. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. And so it's not just. Uh, okay, we confess our sins and say, sorry God, forgive me. It is, sorry God, and I'm going to do my best not to do it again. If you weren't here Sunday night when Tim preached, I will. If he preached the message, I will, you'd probably be able to go and look that up on the sermon audio page. But you have to determine in yourself, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you have to, you have to set yourself to that and, and commit yourself to that. Because you can't just rely on the fact that God will have mercy forever. God can take us home anytime He wants. He says to His His brethren, His brethren say, "Go, go up to Jerusalem." And and, he, and Christ, this is uh, John chapter seven, and He says, "Go up to Jerusalem because you you know make yourself known to the world." And and Christ says to them, My, "I will not go up yet unto this feast, but uh, for My time has not yet come." It wasn't Christ's time to go and make himself manifest or time for Christ to go and give his life on the, on the cross. But he says to his brethren, but your time is always ready. Uh, we're, we're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, 
says, boast thyself not of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. We don't, we're not, even as a Christian, God can call us home when he wants. So we ought not just say, well, I can live flippantly. I can live and do whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, and, and get away with it. If you go to Isaiah now in 66. Isaiah chapter 66. What, should, what would it look like if, to fear the Lord? It says, thus saith the Lord, verse 1. The heaven, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things that have been, saith the Lord. And, but to this man will I look, even to him that is, is poor and of a contrite spirit, that trembleth at my word. When you read in your Bible as a Christian and you find that actually I have not been living right, do you tremble at the Word of God? Does, does it make you, it says, of a contrite heart there. A contrite heart is, is the, in essence, is a broken heart. When you sin, you ought, it ought to break your heart to know that you've offended God, to know that you've damaged your relationship with God. It ought not just be a light thing. If it's a light thing, your relationship to God doesn't mean anything. That's right. But for me to offend somebody on the street, it really doesn't bother me because, you know, I, I can be rough. Uh, and I had a situation where I had to just about walk off a job site this week because of the situation at work. And that doesn't bother me because I don't have a relationship with him. I can go home and sleep and it's fine because I have no relationship outside of work. I can live without the money he was paying me. There's, there's no, no relationship. But for me to offend one of my brothers, one of my family, the damage that does is immense. And it, it bothers me if I do it. And it, if you have a, a relationship with God that is valuable Amen. beyond just, uh, yeah. beyond just like Levy was preaching this uh, teaching this morning, where you go to God and, you, and God is just going to sign your check. And God is just there to, to, to give you a good life and give you uh, pleasant things and candy out of heaven, as it were. If that's, your, if that's your relationship with God and you can go off and do whatever you want, then it's not going to mean much to you to sin. Right. But if your relationship with God is as a father and a son like it's supposed to be, it ought to, it ought to hurt to sin. Yeah. And then that's what it's saying there. That for all those things have my hand, have, that have been... Sorry, for all those things that my hand... Sorry, have my hand made. For all those, and all those things have been, saith the Lord... But to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and a contrite spirit that trembleth at my word. Yeah. And so we ought, we ought to, if you go to Second Kings, I'll give you an example of this in the scripture. On what that, a picture of what that verse, uh, those verses would look like. Second Kings in chapter 22. Second Kings in chapter 22. And I'm, I won't, uh, we'll read the backstory on this per se because we don't have the time for it. But if you read, this is later on in the, in the book of 2 Kings, and the people of God have, have got left God. But there's a king called Josiah, and he has started to set his heart towards the things of God. He's, he's set men to repair the house of God, the temple, and to restore the breaches in it. And, and you can read the context of some of the things that was going on one of the things he did after this passage that we're going to read is he removed the Sodomites' houses from the land. They had sodomy in their day. One of the other things he did is he removed the idols from the house of God. They had set up inside the temple of God where they worshipped God, 
their idols to their false gods so they could go and they would go in they would pay their tribute to their god and then they would go and worship god they would go and then they would offer incense to Baal and then as soon as they'd finished doing that they'd offer their sacrifice to god that's how their system of worship worked and and in picture uh in picture the bible and, and we, we know what the bible says where it says uh, thou shalt have uh, make no graven images but the word image, if you make a graven image, you can do that in your mind. And you can, and as a Christian, we can do that where we carve God out, as Levi was teaching this morning, to, to fit our, our picture, our image. We make God in our image to suit our needs. But, and when you do that, you have carved in your mind an image of God that is contrary to the Word of God. God, yeah. God has His own will and He can do what He wants. And, and He does what, that, does what He pleases. And so, so you cannot. When, so when when they, we're talking about these these folk that are setting up their idols in the house of God, and we say, oh, they're terrible. They have statues and things, and and, and we, we can jump on the Catholics and say the Catholics have their idols to Mary, and they have their idols to the saints. But what about us in our hearts? Yeah. Uh, we we yeah. we can have idols in our hearts, and we can set up an idol. And say that that is God and it's not based on scripture. If our idea of God is not based on scripture, you have an idol. And that's not to say that you're necessarily uh, intentionally doing that. But you need to find out what God says about himself and what God says in his Bible about how he should be worshipped. And how. And that, that is an onus and a responsibility for us to find out the things of God. If I'm, I'm preaching a little bit out, out of... I was going to mention this later on, but... Uh, if, if you drive on the road in the New Zealand road, it is your responsibility to know the speed of the road that you're driving on. There's a speed limit, 50k, 60k, 70k, 80k, whatever it is, 100k if you're on the motorway. That is, if the police, if you're doing 110 and you put, the policeman pulls you over for doing 110 down the motorway, you can't say to the policeman, well, I didn't know the speed limit. That's right. The policeman's still going to give you a ticket. It is your responsibility to know the speed limit when you drive on the New Zealand road. Whatever road you're driving on, it is your responsibility to know it. It is your responsibility to know what the Bible says as a Christian. Yep. God will have grace and mercy yep. while you learn. But if you know, and, and you, and, or if you should know, then God will hold you to it. Yep. And, and we ought not just be content to sit there as, as baby Christians. There's a fight and a war. Right. And people dying and going to hell. If we, if we as the Christian people of New Zealand, of the world, if we won't get our act together and get our act right, this world is going to burn up. That's right. We, we're not going to last much longer if, if we keep playing with sin. And this is not the people out there. If the church had its heart right, if, if, and this is to me as well, if we as Christians in the church would have our heart right, God could really do something with us. Amen. And God is doing work with us, but how much more can He do if, if we would make ourselves ready and available? When, when you go and join the military, you don't... When, when the officer says, do this, you don't say, well, I don't feel like it. The officer doesn't care about your feelings. That's the way it works. That you're in the army, you're signed up to serve. And so as a Christian, as a soldier of Christ, you've signed up to serve. You may not realize that, but you have. And God, God will give you God that God has a lot better weapons than the devil and all of that. If you will apply them and learn to use them. And again, he doesn't throw, necessarily throw you off the deep end right on day one 
But you, you, you ought to look for the things, how can I serve God? How can I please God? Because that's what the fear of God will do. If we read here in 2 Kings, in chapter, eight, we'll start, uh, sorry, chapter 22, we'll start in verse 8. We're going to jump down through here a little bit to, to get the context of this. But in verse 8, so that just for context before this, they've sent the men to serve and to, to start to repair the house of God. And so the men, men are working on the house of God. Verse 8 it says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan came unto the king and brought the king word again and said that thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and it delivered, and they have and have delivered it unto the hand of them that work and, and that that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. I want to point something out here. There's, there's two things I want to point out on just those, those little verses. Number one, in their society, they had stopped reading the law of God. He found the book of the law in the house of God. They had not been reading it because it was buried in the house of God. And because they had neglected the house of God, they had not been following the things of God. But when they set themselves to repair the house of God, and they said, we are going to do this. We are going to return to the God of our fathers. We are going to, to find out, and we're going to set up the house of God like it should be. Then God gave them a book to follow and an instruction manual on how to live. And you have that. You have the Bible. You have yeah. God's standard, for, yeah. and we have it for our lives. But what's the use of it if, if, if we read it and don't apply it? Uh, uh, the Tim, Tim Sermon on Sunday night where, where he talks about without without my Bible, I am useless. Without my Bible, without me, my Bible is useless. If, if our Bible sits on the shelf, it is useless. But if you sit and read your Bible and don't apply it, it is just as useless as if it sat on the shelf. Because what's the point? Why would, you know, it, it, and this is something that I've often thought about. If you think about how many people died to give us this book, not just like all the martyrs, like, Tyndale and those that translated the Bible. But you think about how many people died just in the pages of your Bible where it says this man died and that man died. That actually had to happen for the Bible to be true. If, if we will just, if we don't apply the lessons that they learned that cost lives by, by, by the millions over history, if we won't learn those lessons and apply them, what was the use in their death? You just walk on the graves of the saints of God. And, and you... It, that, that sacrilege to do that, to, to just walk on a grave, to spit on a grave. You wouldn't want that someone spitting on your grandparents' graves that you can go and see. You wouldn't want to go to the cemetery and see someone spitting on your grandparents' graves, right? So, but we, we, we're happy and content to live and ignore the saints that have gone on before and, and to ignore the, that witness that you can read in Hebrews 11 and 12. And we, 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 we ignore the sacrifice that people pay they gave their life for the gospel, gave their, gave their life for the freedom that we have in this country. And if we won't hold it, no one will. So we ought, right. to, get, we ought to get serious. And this is what happens in this king's life, in Josiah's life. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass that when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and, and Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, and Akabor, uh, Akbor, the son of Milchai, uh, Mil and Shaphan the scribe, and Azariah the servant of the kings, saying, 
Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath that the Lord, great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. And they go and they ask, uh, ask of the word of God. I want to put there. If you look there in verse, 11, verse 13, it says, For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because of our fathers. It was not Josiah's fault that the nation was like it was. He inherited it from his father. And he from his father and the sins that he had to deal with were the sins that were passed down from the generations. The Bible says and when God gives the law in Exodus in chapter 20, he says, The sins of the fathers will I uh, visit upon the children to the third and fourth generation. That is what Josiah was up against. And he said, because of what our fathers have done, there is a great wrath against the Lord. And if you look there where he rips his clothes, that is a sign of mourning. He is... And it's not just a light, light morning, oh, I'm sorry. What that is, is here in, in that moment, he is so devastated by the fact that the, the wrath of God is upon them that as it's an, is essentially a need, what's called now a knee-jerk reaction. He just rips his clothes because of how, how distraught he is that God, God's, God has said that if, if we go and live like this, God, God will destroy us off the face of the earth and we are living like that so we can't be far off you read down in verse 16 it says thus saith the Lord behold I will bring evil upon this place this is God's response to that and upon the inhabitants thereof even all the words of the book which the king hath read because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands before me. Now therefore, that therefore, wrath is, shall be kindled against this place and, it sh and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which hath sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord, the God, Lord God of Israel, as touching the words that thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardst what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they, that, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Therefore, behold, therefore, I will gather thee to thy, unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered unto thy, into thy grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all that evil, all the evil which I shall bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. God said, because you have humbled yourself, I will delay the punishment. And we will have a revival while, while you are here. But, and, but the, ju the judgment is still coming. But while, while the king's heart was set to serve God, God gave them a space of repentance. God gave them a space to have revival in their nation. And if we as the church of God would sit, we already know, and we, we can read Revelation, the wrath of God is coming. The Bible says that he treadeth out the fierceness of the wrath of, of the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. And, is that, and you can read through the Bible and, and people who have this idea that Jesus is, is, is this lovey-dovey, loves all God. 
is, not, is out of balance. God is love, but that is one side of God. But if, if God is so loving, and if you, I don't know, if you probably find this in your life, those who are gentle, those who are kind, those who are merciful, those who are loving, when you offend them, they are, they are, the, they, they are the people who will get the madness. They are the people who will do the most, have the, the harshest response. That is the way it goes. That is what it is for God. If, if, we, if we push the boundaries of God far enough, he is, he is merciful and tender and loving his mercies are new every morning. You push that boundary too far though. And, and what happens naturally, why, why, why do we react like that? Why, why do the really, really nice and merciful people have a tendency to blow up when they, really, and when they go, they really go? It's because they're made in the image of God. And that is an aspect where they are, they are still showing the character of God. God has mercy for us, but it only lasts so long. And when it's run out, and, and it, it, it does last long, the Bible says God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. But when it runs out, the wrath that is to come is complete and, and, and entire. And, and you can read that in Revelation 19, Revelation 20, where he burns up the whole earth. You can read 2 Peter chapter 3, where the Bible says the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. When God comes to take vengeance on this world, it's not going to be pretty. And there won't be time for repentance then. When he comes back, it's over. When, when Christ comes back to earth to, to rule and reign, it is over. You, 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 it's a little bit more than a slap. Uh, it, it, is, you know, it, it is fire and vengeance and eternity for those who refuse in the lake of fire. That is what awaits. That is what the wrath of God looks like. And as a Christian, while we, while we don't go there, you can suffer. God, God has his punishment. And we, we, I wasn't particularly going to go here, but you can lose more. You can lose your eternal rewards. And you say, well, that's, that doesn't mean anything. It'll mean something then. When, when you stand before God, and God says, he goes through the parable of the servants who are given their, their money. And he delivers to, to one man his ten pounds, and one man his five, and to another man his one. And the, and the man who says there, he says to the one who has ten, he gains ten pounds. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I don't know if, uh, how you are as a Christian, but to me, that is more important than anything else. Because, you see, we, we earn our crowns, and you can read in the Bible, you can read in the Bible, God gives crowns as rewards for the service we do. But it also says that those, those crowns were cast at the feet of God. And so the crown that I earn for whatever I do on, 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 a, on the earth now, I'm giving that back to God. When God's word is spoken though, God's word is eternal. Amen. And so when God says to me, well done now good and faithful servant, that is more valuable to me than the crown. Yeah. Because that is eternal, the crown I give back to God. You call, call me selfish, but... Uh, that, that, that well done, thou good and faithful servant, that is more valuable than to know you've pleased God hey. and done your duty. Hey. Does, it, as a Christian, that ought to mean more to you than anything in the world. Uh, if we go, go um, try and, uh, we're finished here. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, I want to I try, try and actually get through this for once. Um, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, My son, forget not my law. Let thine heart keep my commandments. 
But this is Solomon writing, presumably to Rehoboam, but in our context, this is God writing to us because all scripture is given of God. So it's my son, so it's God saying to the Christian, it says, forget not my law, let thine heart keep my commandments, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the tables of thine heart. So shall thou find good favor and understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, says so here. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We, 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 we like to read verse 5 where it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And verse 6, And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's, that's a very common verse. But if you look at the verses before that, the chapter starts with, My son, forget not my law. And then it says, Let thine heart keep my commandments. That, that trusting in the Lord is based on what God said in his word. You can trust God because of what God said. If you don't know what God said, you have nothing to hope on. If you don't look through the Bible and see the promises of God and, and, and in context, then you don't have anything to go on. You can, and, and this is Levy's Sunday school again. And he said, you've got to pray according to the will of God. If you don't know what the will of God is written here, you're not going to know how to pray. And you'll be ineffective in your prayer. And you'll say, why can't I get a prayer answered? Well, because you don't know the will of God. Because you're asking out of the bounds of what God has said. And because you're not, you haven't set your heart to follow God. It says, in all thy ways, verse 6, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways, acknowledge him means... In everything you do, you look at the Bible and say, this is, what God, this is what God has said. I will acknowledge Him and do it. And God will direct your paths on the things that He hasn't specifically said. That is God's promise there. It is not based on, you know, I can just... Um, Amen. There's the other one there that says, commit thy, um, commit thy works unto God and, and, and He shall establish it. If you've given, if you commit to commit your work to God, it means you've given God your life, you've given God your work, at that point, it's God's. When, you, when you've committed it to God, it's God's. You don't have it anymore. You don't have the free... Uh, we, we have free will to serve God. But when you've decided, in your free will, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, I'm going to give my life to the service of God, and that, again, that doesn't mean you have to preach. That doesn't mean you have to song lead. There are things you can do without being up front. There are, and... and no Christian is called to warm a seat, a seat in a chair of a pew. Uh, you, but we, we're called to serve and called to, to, to the work of the Lord and sometimes specifically to, to the ministry. But everybody has something you can do. And, and so when you commit yourself, I'm going to start by doing what is on the page and let God be God, God will lead you in the path that he chooses and then you can say to yourself I will do what God wants me to do because that is what is best or you can say never mind I'll, I'm just going to walk off on God you have that, that you still have free will to follow God but you're not going to get the best if you don't the best for your life now and the best for your life in eternity you're not going to get there by doing your own thing you have to set yourself as, as King Josiah did 
to seek the book of the Lord, to read it, to apply it, to, to, to fear God and tremble at His word. And when, when you find out, okay, this is sin, I'm not going to live in sin anymore. Um, and this, this is uh, the goal. Go Isaiah. This is the goal of um, Christianity. We go to the New Testament, First uh, Peter chapter one. First Peter in chapter one. I get myself there. First Peter in chapter one. Verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And you say, well, well, uh, you, you can't attain to that. Not in this life, but you can give your, the goal is to give your best to that, to set yourself to that. It says there, gird up the loins of your mind. That means that you prepare yourself physically. When the girdle is your belt. And the idea is, and when what you read in the Bible, there's a couple of phrases where it says, gird up thy loins. And God says it to Job, gird up thy loins like a man. And I will demand of thee an answer. The idea in that is you get yourselves ready and set and prepared because you're going to give an answer to God. That was the context for Job. And that's the context here. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. The things that I used to do, I don't do anymore, and the things that I that 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 I used to do that I still do, I hate myself when I do them. And, and again, that comes back to this, this: that's what should be produced in you as a Christian when you fall into sin. It ought to produce hatred for, towards yourself. Now, what you do now, you don't go and kill yourself for that, like you do if you are in the world where they get depressed and they commit suicide. No, you go to God and you confess your sins and you humble yourself before God and you resolve to do better and to, to, to strive to serve God. It says there, and as he which hath called you is holy, so be you in, uh, holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation is what you convey. And you convey more with your actions than you do with your words. We talk about having a conversation as me talking to someone here in the church. But what you, when it's read in the Bible and it says conversation, it's what you convey by your life. What do you convey to the lost world as a Christian? Is Christianity worth something? Or is it of no value and to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men? Is that what people see in us as Christians? Is there a difference between us and the world? It says, as he and I want to point this out, when people talk about holiness, and and I heard someone say that you know holiness is to be set aside from for the service of God, and that there is that application. If you read in your Bible, there were certain things. The priest's garments were holy garments; they were set aside for the for the priesthood to serve God. And, but if you read in your Bible where, where it talks about God's holiness, it means without sin. It means absent from the presence of sin. And But it says here, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So in what the text means 
is in the way that God is holy, that's the way you're supposed to be holy. The way I'm supposed to be holy as a Christian. That is the goal. Now, we're not going to get there this side of eternity, but that is the goal. If you read Philippians chapter 3, starting here in verse 13, the Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This is Paul writing. He hadn't achieved his goal as a Christian. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if any think ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. You set yourself towards God and serving God, and God will reveal to you where you aren't and will help you to do it. You say to yourself, I'm going to serve God, and then you go along and you find out, I'm not doing this right. And you say, well, I'll forget those things which are behind. I'll forget that I was doing good. I'll forget the good and the bad that I have done, but I'm going to set myself to that prize. It says there, verse 14, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high, uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So that I'm, I'm setting myself to that mark. I'm setting my, even though I may not obtain it, I am setting myself to that mark because of God, it is God, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, and where, where I'm not, God will reveal it. That, that is our goal as a Christian. You go to um, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, not first. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Verse 14, the Bible says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, uh, to no profit, but to the, uh, yeah, to the subverting of the hearing. Verse 15, Study to show thyselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun vain and vain babblings, for they will increase to more, unto more ungodliness, and their, uh, and their word will eat as does a canker, who, of whom is Hymenius and uh, Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrowing the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity Amen. but in a house uh, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dos dishonor if a man therefore purge himself of these he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use prepared unto every good work that is the goal of a christian yeah and if, uh, prepared unto good work we, we we can't actively be living in sin and expect god to use us yeah uh, we can, and, and again, when, when God says to us, you know, this is the way, walk ye in it. Turn now not to the left hand, nor to the right hand. That's what God expects of us, as a Christian. Expects of me, as a Christian. And you cannot, you cannot live openly or actively in sin, and, and in an area that God has dealt with you about. And God, God either through the preaching or through your own reading, in the Bible, God has said, this, this, is, this is what the Word says. Now do it. That's why it says there, study to show yourself approved a workman uh, unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And we, and we, we often, and it's true that it is in the context of a preacher who needs to know his Bible, a preacher needs to study. And you need to study your Bible to know the Bible, but you need to study the Bible just to be a Christian. Yeah. Just to do right by God. Yeah. And when, when you're not, you know, 
we're all supposed to be the servants of God, and if we yeah. don't know what, our, what the manual says, we're not going to get very far with God and getting, getting the things of God. Uh, and I often read this, the passages that, um, where it says, uh, if any man will ask anything according to my will, I will give it him. And, and, and where, the, where it reads, the, the passages down that vein and, and down that light, where if you ask anything from God, he will give it to you. But that's always in the context of if you're, if you're asking according to God's will. And as a Christian, our will, our desire, our plan for our life ought to be what God wants us to do. And so when we ask God for that, we are asking God for our will. And we can get it because God's will is our will. That's how what a Christian ought to be. And you say, well, well how, how would I start? If, if I was to recommend a place to start, and this is actually, this is point one, but uh, we'll, we'll try and move on from here just after this. First uh, Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. The Bible says, but if I, this is Paul writing to Timothy on how to, the book of First Timothy is, is Paul's instruction to, to uh, Timothy, as, a, as he's, Timothy's a young minister, young preacher. This is Paul's, letter saying this is how to run a church i'm not there to tell you personally i'm not there to show you but if you follow what i've written in this book this is how church ought to be it says verse 15 but if i tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of god which is the church of the living god the pillar and the ground of truth there's two applications to the house of god there it says there uh, the church of god which is the house of uh, the house of god which is the church of the living god the pillar and the ground of truth the church is us met here together. It's not a building, it is us met together, right? It's the, it's the assembly of the people of God. That is what the church is. So it's an instruction on how we ought to behave when we're met together. That's, but it also says they're the house of God. And if you read in, in uh, I believe, is it first, second Corinthians chapter 6, ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We'll find that. Um, Ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, sorry. First um, yeah, uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen. What know ye not that your body is the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Wherefore glorify your uh, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So there is in First Corinthians, uh, Timothy chapter three and verse fifteen. There is the application to the church where, where this is how you ought to behave in the, in the house of God, the pillar in the ground, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar in the ground of truth. But as an individual believer, we are the temple of the living God, individually. You and I, if we're saved, genuinely born again, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So the book of 1 Timothy is how thou ought to behave thyself within thyself and within the way you live your life because we can come to church and manage to live fine on Sunday morning and, and, and have a form of Christianity that is in reality churchianity if you follow the meaning of that where you behave yourself properly in church and so you, when you're in church you're a good Christian and so you have churchianity. Christianity is when you go out and live it outside the church. Amen. Yep. That, that is a difference. There is a difference between Christianity and churchianity. You, you can come to church, and, and I can come to church and put on, not even necessarily a show for the brethren, but 
you know how you're, you're expected to behave because you're around a whole bunch of people and it's easy when everybody's around. But what do you do when you're by yourself? Because God is still God on Amen. Monday. Yep. If, we, if we come to church and we do right and if we come Sunday morning, then you miss Sunday school, you miss uh, Sunday evening and you miss Wednesday. You have missed two-thirds, two-thirds, three-quarters based on based on that, on the preaching of what what goes on in church if you expect to survive and thrive as a christian in the world on hard rations on just on sunday morning you're not going to make it you don't you don't have the spiritual strength when it says study to show thyself approved and you're expected to know what god has for you when like like when the speeding off policeman pulls you over for speeding, you're expected to know the speed limit, you're expected to know the things of God. How are you going to learn that if you miss three quarters of the teaching that the church has? And if you're missing that much church, how much Bible are you reading to make up for it? You're going to miss the things of God. You're not going to know what God wants. You say, why, why don't I know what God wants me to do? Or I'm unsure if this is really what God wants me to do. Well, if you would start if you would start in the house of God and start with, I'm going to be in church if I'm late. I don't know, I don't know what happened to my, to, to my planning. Everybody, Brother Bong mentioned it this morning, I'm, I'm here early and that's fine. The other, the other Saturday we had Young Pro and I, I pretty much showed up for the amen at the end of the closing prayer. I had a little bit more than that. Um, but if you're going to be late, be late, but be in church. We, we used to have to work on the roads and, and we would... We would uh, get done late, six, seven o'clock, we get done on site. And we would come to church in our work clothes, covered in sweat and dust from the road. Why? Because being in church is more important than going home and having dinner. Being in church and hearing the word of God is more important than comfort. And, and sometimes you, 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 you risk nodding off in church because you're tired. But that is more important to be there and to, to, to if nothing else, yep. to tell the devil, I'm going to church. Yep. I'm not letting letting the flesh beat me. I'm not letting yep. the devil uh, make me make me ashamed of being late. I'm just going to be there as best I can, as early as I Amen. can. That is the goal, and and you set yourself to that. Yep. And that's what the fear of the Lord looks like. When 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 we say uh, uh, the fear of the Lord is reverence to God. This is what reverence to God looks like. Yeah. You have respect to Him and you don't, you don't want to waste His time. You don't want to offend Him. And you want to find out how to please Him and to serve Him yeah. as best you know how. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, and we often, often think of this in, in, in relation particularly to kids at school. And you have to be, you, those of you that are parents, your kids at school are at their most vulnerable point of their life. They are still in their formative years. The right. Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What, yep. you put, what has the school put in your children? That's right. Because the school teaches evolution. Yep. Right? And evolution is a, is a lie That's right. of the devil. That yep. If you believe in evolution, you deny the first verse of the Bible. Right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you deny that, you have nothing to stand upon as your Bible. Right. Genesis is the foundation of the Bible. If you, if you throw that away, you don't have anything. Yeah. And, 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 and people would say, well, it, it might say, well, it's the Old Testament. It is still the Bible and That's it is right. still God's Word. Amen. And if, 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 if you expect 
your kids to just come to church and to have the things of God in church and, and Sunday, even if you come Sunday morning for Sunday school and you have Sunday school the divine service, you leave them here for the youth group, you have them in the evening service, you have them here on Wednesday, you might get in our church maybe 12 hours under the preaching of God's word and, 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 and fellowship with the saints of God versus 30 plus hours in school. Yeah. And we, we, we often say, who get, and, you know, the saying is, who you feed the most wins, right? right. Well, they're getting 30 hours from the world in the school and 12 right. hours from church. Who's That's getting right. fed the most? The things of God or the things of the flesh? The things yeah. of the world. So when your kids go off the rails, if you, if you don't teach the things of God at home, is what's done in church will be hypocrisy to your children. If you don't right. lead your children and teach your children the Word of God at your house and, and invest in them the, the things that are preached in the pulpit and practice Christianity in your own home, right. your, Christ, your, your kids, you know, we have an 80% dropout rate. By and large, 80% dropout rate in, in churches. By the time kids have grown up, even in fundamental churches like ours, where 80% of children are out of the church by 25:30, because because why? There has to be a reason, and it, it and, and it's not. And you can be the best parent and stuff, can, and the devil can still get into the kids' minds and change them and turn them. But if you if we if we're going to feed that, how much more are the possibility and the the chance of things going awry and things going wrong? If we will feed the flesh and feed the world, the worldly side of of us and of our kids, how can we expect things to turn out right? I want to, I want to get back onto First Timothy here, where I said, "But if thou tarry, First Timothy chapter three, verse one, uh, chapter verse fifteen. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how the waters behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. What when it when when it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed." It, it is not a preacher's job to study your Bible for you. You that's have to right. study your Bible. Yep, that's right. What, what, and you will get so much more out of the preaching, by the way, Amen. and the teaching of God's Word if you will study your Bible Amen. for yourself in your own time. But what, what, where would you start on, on applying yourself? Like Hezekiah, like Josiah did as, as the king, to, to, to find and search out the things of God and do them. Well, I would recommend you start with First Timothy because of that verse there where it says that if I tarry long, thou must know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. So you, you can know how you ought to behave yourself and start in First Timothy. And you, you so you're, so say you're a young man in the church, read the book of First Timothy and find everything that says where it says, and the young men, or the men, or or where it says him, where, where it thinks... Um, where it says, First uh, Timothy chapter five verse eight. Where, but if any provide not for, the, for uh, his own, but especially for those of his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse worse than an infidel. Where it says things that apply to a man. If you're a man in here, start read the book of First Timothy, and say to yourself, God didn't put ink on the page to fill page. God did not write the book of First Timothy to just have a book in the Bible. Is written there as a practical instruction. What God right. what God wrote there, He meant. That's right. Amen. So when it says to a young man, "Do this," that means do this. Yeah. When when it when it says to a young, for, for the young ladies, when when the book of books in the New, in the New Testament, particularly First Timothy, it says do this, it means do this. 
Yeah. It's not serving God and working out the ink on the page is not rocket science. God wrote the instructions down. You just have to follow them. Yeah. I just have to follow them. And it's going to be hard enough to do that. But if, if we won't do that, how can we expect God to give us some some, some thing that's not in the Bible? Be people, particularly among the young people, we, we, we look at what are we going to do for a career? Well, the Bible doesn't say that Matthew will do this for a career. The Bible doesn't say Levi will do this for a career. The Bible doesn't say that Ram will do this as a job for his life. The Bible doesn't say that. But how, how are you going to know if you're doing what God wants you to do? Is by applying, for a start, what is written in the page. And when God wrote the, what is on the page, he meant what he wrote on the page. That's right. It, it's not a joke. And it's not, it's not something that we can... If you, if you read First Timothy in chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a conscience and of faith unfeigned. There is a point, and, and uh, you can go to... Titus, chapter 3 and verse 8 says, This is a faithful saying, These things that I would that thou affirm constantly. This is again Paul writing to another preacher, to Titus, a, a preacher that he's trained. So this is a faithful saying, These things that I will that thou affirm constantly. So you're always reminding the people of this truth. That's part of the job of the preacher. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Uh, you go to Second uh, Timothy chapter two and ver- uh, sorry chapter three and verse sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God. God, will, God has the instructions written there, and if we'll apply it, then, then he will lead us, he will show us the things that we ought to be doing. And if, if you are genuinely saved, you ought to have that desire in you to serve and please God above all else. Otherwise, I, and, and again, you don't have to serve God behind the pulpit. But if, if your desire is not for the things of God, is the Spirit of God in you? Because you, you don't care for what God has to say. You know, it, uh, it says um, that a man examine himself. And it says, uh, let a man examine himself, so examine himself whether he be in the faith. And just, just because you come to church and raised in church, I'm getting cold time, um, doesn't, doesn't mean that... Uh, that you're saved necessarily, but when, if, if your heart is set to the things of God, then you ought to want to walk in the things of God. You ought to have a desire to find out what God has for you. Um, um, so I, I've been told I'm out of time, so I'm out of time. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet. But... Uh, we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to think on these things and set our heart because we could have a revival in our day. We could see the culture turned around Maybe. if we would apply ourselves to the things of God and, and, and look at what the Bible, again, there, First Timothy, go where it applies to you. And if, if you don't understand it, get you a concordance or get the, if, you have a, if you have a Bible app on your phone, you don't understand a word. Before you go and look at someone's commentary, 
look up the references. So, so you, you look up this word and, and you don't understand this word. Find where that word is in the Bible and read the context around it. Read the verses surrounding it so that you understand the word biblically. Then go look it up in a dictionary, in, in an older dictionary that is, more, that is closer to the language of the Bible, not our, not our modern uh, sloppy English. But look it up in an older Bible. Find out when that, or find out what God meant when He wrote this word. What does it mean? Find it out. You can do that. That's what studying is, and it's a job of every Christian to know what the thing, what the things of God are. And, and the preaching in the church ought to just be a reinforcement to the things of God. It ought to be a reinforcement on on what God has already done in your own life and your own study. Um, we'll, we'll close in a word of prayer and we'll have Brother Bong to come and sing uh, lead us in our closing hymn uh, let's pray Heavenly Father thank you Lord for your word and thank you for, for the, the lessons that is in it Lord that we can we have your word and we can know what is pleasing to you we can know how to serve you and to, to Lord to please you and Lord that uh, as Christians uh, the Bible says, let every man that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Lord, I pray that as Christians, we, we call ourselves and name the name of Christ. I pray that we would depart from iniquity, that Lord, uh, the, the light of the gospel, the light of, of God would shine through us. Lord, that uh, we'd have a revival of the things of God in our country. Lord, a revival of the things of God in our home and in our church and in our, in our personal walk with you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that... Uh, you set uh, this desire in our heart, Lord, that we would apply ourselves to it, and Lord, be willing to pay the sacrifice required, to pay the price required, uh, to, to see your glory uh, shine, and to, that we'd be willing to set aside the things of the flesh and the things of the world and things uh, that the devil would tempt us with to serve God, because that is the highest and ultimate purpose of our life. And especially as Christians, we pray we'd be a light to the world, Lord, salt to earth, and uh, something worth having, Lord. We pray that uh, you work in us uh, for your glory's sake. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matthew, for that message. Okay, let's all stand for uh, last day.